So what happens is when we talk about Natya Veda the, or the current uh, form of dance that exists today, we have to connect it to its origin, which is Natya Shastra, which is again uh, from the four Vedas. So with all of these things, first and foremost, dance sounds very mystical, very esoteric, very intangible, which all of it it is. Having said that, why should children learn dance? Now, I believe that people should do their STEM uh, lines as well because uh, this has nothing to do with the subjects. Dance has nothing to do with whether you're an engineer or a doctor or just a homemaker. But dance, what it actually focuses on is yourself. So this is where the affiliation to the Vedas come because dance is not about just an entertainment. Dance is self-engagement, which is aligned to the Vedic philosophy, saying that there is an overall energy that governs this universe. And you may call it whatever, you may call it light, you may call it energy, you may call it God, 
whatever it is that you wish to call, there is a power, there is an energy that's governing. And we are interconnected to that. We are, as, as a human being, as any living creature, we are interconnected to that energy. So it is one way to understand it intellectually. Then how do you realize it? If somebody were to come and tell me that I am the power, I am a part of a, a superpower or a super consciousness, my mind, which does not understand this realm, will say, yeah, right, you're not any of these things. You're just an ordinary human being. But through dance, through the different layers of understanding, practicing and execution, there will be brief moments where you can experience this connect. So this, this connect is what we train the students to get. We sow the seeds into the student's mind through grammar, through execution of the grammar. And as the child matures, as the student uh, practices and performs and practices and performs, what happens is it becomes uh, a new neural pathway so that at some point of time, or even if you're an immature dancer, it doesn't matter, on the performing space, on a performance stage, she or he will understand that there is something which is taking you over. So this is one of the main reasons why any parent should encourage the child, her son or daughter, to practice, to learn and practice this because it, it gives you a sense of discipline. It gives you a sense of purpose. It's a, it gives you a sense of goal. And more than anything else, you're working so hard towards something which is so hard and complicated. And many of them, many of my students say, no, I can't get this. You know, I know I'm not good in rhythm. I don't understand music. I don't understand the character. But somewhere deep within their hearts, they know that they have to get it. So they strive against their natural instinct that they can't get a certain thing and they work towards it. And what happens is that sense of success, that sense of purpose is what is instilled in a dancer. So while you learn dance and you may not take it on as a professional performer or a teacher, but it helps you build all these intrinsic qualities of a successful person. And you can be a perfect doctor, you can be a perfect engineer, you can be a perfect CEO, you can be a perfect mother, you can be the perfect version of yourself. And that is why it is so important to inculcate this arts, the sense of arts and aesthetics into the student in a young age so that the brain develops and develops uh, as they grow older and it helps them enhance their own personality. That was a very uh, uh, lovely and uh, uh, profound uh, explanation, I think, you know. Uh, <laughs> so uh, many people think that dance starts and ends with a stage performance. Uh, this may be true of uh, various other types of uh, dances, but uh, 
in uh, but when we talk of indian classical dance forms like bharatanatyam or any of the other ones like kuchipudi or even kathak is the goal different well because it is stemmed from natyashastra and i am i am compelled to say a uh, uh, quote legend okay i don't know whether it's true or not but natyashastra begins with this legend where the world is so chaotic and you know people have no values so all the gods go to brahma to say please give us an audio visual entertainment so that people can watch the entertainment or whatever this is the audio visual uh, uh, entertainment and learn so brahma turns around and says you look i already have the four vedas telling people how to live but indra the god say no that is too inaccessible because it is you know it is too beyond and the common man cannot access it so what brahma says is okay i have already created the four vedas so i am going to take the text from rigveda then music from samaveda and the movement and uh, emotions from the other two vedas but what does that mean which means we can interpret it as uh you you through uh, words through music through body through emotions you connect to a higher consciousness and therefore you know what is right and wrong how to live and how not to live so which may be not important at this point of our conversation but it is projected as an entertainment but in today's global scenario dance cannot be related as entertainment because today entertainment is um, you know uh, watching football or watching cricket or watching a film going to the pub uh, you know we are we are uh, um, uh, competing with uh, bollywood and hollywood and uh, cricket it's not entertainment it is engagement because we are talking about um, a performing performing art if we flip the performing the purpose of the performing art it becomes more of a self engagement process because in natya shastra more than anything else bharata is giving so much of importance to rasa theory which means i experience something as the artist and because of my experience the audience also experiences what i feel because this rasa theory is the most unique um point of performing arts globally now for me to engage an audience i have to be so good otherwise i will not be able to engage an audience more um, i mean more than actually asking him to participate in my experience so my whole research is about how to be a perfect um artist in terms of understanding the layers and i i it's an inward journey um it's an inward journey so i experience it so deeply that it is almost real to me and as if i act real as if i act as if i am a draupadi or a krishna or a yashoda or a radha so that it seems so real to the audience and they also experience in my uh, experience now the point of the matter is are we what are the kind of challenges we have in the uh, what are the distractions we have in terms of the audience now people's minded are 
crowded and distracted with every uh, um, uh, so many factors how do i experience how do i gain their attention how do i encourage them to experience my experiences so it is a performing art but it is not so much of a performing art alone but it is an extension of how you can do a self engagement so i believe the goal is to go beyond a performance i believe that um, i am of the strong opinion that as a performer you don't only have you not only have the uh, responsibility of engaging with an audience not entertaining them because there is a large difference uh, engaging the audience but in the process also engaging yourself so that you know who you are i think that is the most uh, profound um, explanation of a performing art than actual performing um so padmini ji i've heard you tell your students to address you as acharya not guru which is the word mostly used in the field of classical arts what is the difference between an acharya and a guru and why do you prefer the term acharya in in the ancient india hindu the, the rishis were called gurus because they answered questions of their students without mm, uh, without making them feel oh my god why am i they, the the students were not uh, afraid to ask questions and uh, gurus didn't think it was beyond below their thing to explain to them what it was and these question and answer sessions the guru changed the persons the students life there was a paradigm she was she was he was able to um, shape his thought process so that is a guru and i i'm an acharya i'm just a teacher right i just teach the grammar and i teach them how to transcend but i aspire to be a guru one day where i can actually transform their lives that is being a guru and i have had many gurus in my life who transformed the way i think the way i feel the way i look at dance and i want to be that guru though i don't wish to be called a guru because i know that i have not i'm not yet there but i want to be that that can transform my students lives and i want the parents to know that every teacher is aiming to do that so don't um uh base your learning or uh, everything on very uh, physical things but you should know that your children whatever type of dance whatever school whatever your children are learning all the time your children are processing things and the children will be the best version of themselves as dance teachers you know we are no different from our elementary school teachers or primary school teachers or uh, you know high schoolers or even college professors they are imparting their knowledge which they have known the best and they are transferring it to us now when it comes to classical performing arts like when uh, when when i go into a hall there are people who will come and fall at my feet i don't know why because i don't think it's necessary when i say when i see my uh, history professor i don't go and fall at his feet right so we create this aura 
uh, within ourselves, with ourselves, you know, and uh, we think, oh, I am this and therefore you have to fall at my feet. That is the first thing that I don't agree with because I'm not, I'm just transferring my knowledge to you. When and if I transform your life, then I become your guru and I am not that yet. There are a few misconceptions that parents have about dance as a process itself. Uh, I know as a parent, I have been asked the question, so do you want your kids to just sing and dance in life? You know, so I think what you have said answers that question about the intangible benefits so well, uh, the discipline, the purpose, the goal. Now, all these are easy to understand, but the second layer of explanation is also about uh, the physical to the metaphysical. And I'm sure that takes time. Bharatanatyam is a very physical art form. So I guess the child first sees the physicality of the art form. And then with practice over the years, uh, I'm sure there is some kind of a transformation that a dancer undergoes internally. So how long does that take? Not to quantify it in any way, but um, it, that's also something I feel parents need to give time. Absolutely. See, today, material is very important. What time, what kind of investment do you put in anything that, for example, if your daughter or son is going to study sciences or uh, management, whatever it is, we go because they can make a good a good amount of salary or what is the return on my investment into the time and the education that I have put in. This is one of the, I mean, I always, I myself do it. My daughter is a prodigy in Natvangam. She has been dancing. She has been doing Natvangam from when she was three years old, but she is into commercial real estate. Now, that is the gap that has, because dance is not, a, a, a proposition where we send the children when we say are you is your going children going to only sing and dance in the sense they believe that it is not an engaging process or it is not a process in which it brings value to the table in terms of material which is absolutely right it does not bring it but because of this it's philosophical base and uh, spiritual connectedness there is a time when the child, when the student realizes that material is not everything in life. How much is enough? How much is uh, success? How much do we earn to say, okay, I am successful engineer. I am a successful dancer. So there is always a sense of dissatisfaction of the space that you are in. And that is where dance comes in. When you become a dancer, not as a professional dancer, not as a professional teacher. There is such a huge amount of emotional, physical and mental satisfaction that you derive out of this, that everything else kind of dissolves into the background. Now, for this, as uh, you, uh, you pointed out rightly, it starts as a physical exercise. That's why I tell parents not to push their children too young in, uh, into dance because there is, the grammar is very tough. 
right? So you need the strength of the body more than the strength of the uh, mind and the maturity to understand the hardness of, and the complexities of the dance form. So when the child is five or six, it will relate dance to pain. So we should not, I believe that you should not um, allow any child to learn when before eight years old, where the child is a little mature to understand, okay, dance is equal uh, to pain. So if that comes, then if they start at a very physical, at a very mundane level. And then they see the, uh, this is the journey most of the uh, students go through, you know. So they say, okay, they see the other children. So the one child is getting it easier than the other. The one child, one student is body is different and it looks better than the other uh, student's body. But here there is no comparison because each child is different. Each body is different. Each persona is different. So what happens is as parents and the teacher sees the difference, it doesn't mean that the teacher prefers one student and doesn't prefer the other student. You get inspired by the student because it comes so easily and naturally and we can't explain why and how. And the other person is so interested, but then it takes so much difficulty. But the parent should not believe it's competition, should not believe it is uh, its preferential treatment. It is just we have to come to terms with the fact that some children get it naturally, some people don't. It doesn't mean that the other person cannot be a dancer. She can be a dancer in her own right. And But engaging them into this activity, what happens is without the parents' knowledge, without the students' knowledge, there is there are certain processes that are happening in their own minds. They figure out, okay, now why is that person getting, I am not getting. So this person is working harder. And th that person is thinking, okay, why am I getting it so easy and others don't? And chances are, she will say, okay, maybe I am gifted. So there are so many intangible, uh, very nebulous uh, experiences that are happening in the students' minds. That as it matures, as it keeps constantly brewing in their minds, though they may not even know that these processes are... See, most of the things that are happening in our subconscious mind, we are not even aware of it. The brain has its own... The mind has its own uh, way of processing information and processing uh, things. So subconsciously, all these processes are happening in the student's mind. What happens is as the age progresses, as they do, they, as they are flowing into their patterns of life, as they are studying, as they are falling in love, as they are getting married, as they are getting their children, as they are struggling in their jobs and then, you know, facing the other challenges in life, suddenly there is an, a, a, a sense of um, a safe space that they find in dance. They say, okay, you know what? This happened then and this is how I processed. Okay, this happened then. This is what I did to, uh, to overcome this challenge. And without their being consciously aware of anything, dance becomes their safe haven. So what happens is whatever processes that they used in dance, they unconsciously use it in their life. They unconsciously prepare themselves for challenges. So this is the only thing that 
we can give our child, our daughters, our sons, this process of self-evaluation, self-projection, um, uh, and self-protection. Uh, you know, you have to protect your children from the world. And how do they, you cannot protect them, only they have to protect themselves. And this is the reason why uh, dance is more than a performing art. But when you're eight years old, this is not going to, uh, it will look very mundane, it is very physical. But when you're 30, when you're 40s, as you're facing the challenges of your life, these processes will take the metaphysical form. You know, it will go take you on the metaphysical plane. And that is when they realize, because all of my students now, they're all in their 40s and 50s and even 60s, right? Because I started teaching very early. So they all want to come back to dance, not because they love it. Of course they love it. But you know what? They say, okay, this is my time. This is me. This I want to invest in myself more than investing uh, in a Louis Vuitton bag or, uh, you know, buying a, a diamond necklace or, uh, you know, chartering a flight and, uh, you know, buying a jet so that they can flash their villages. They don't want anything. They just want that safe space and that safe haven where they know that they're best. And with these processes, they challenge the rest of the world and they do their best in the in whatever profession they are. I believe that is the most important um, uh, aspect of uh, teaching dance. Though it may sound very frivolous, it may sound very physical. It 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 takes different forms through the journey. You know, competition, um, aggressive nature. My child is better than yours, but you know, my my student, my daughter has to come in the front. My daughter will stand in the back. Nothing matters. If you zoom out, every student is special. Every student has his or her own strengths. And every student is developing a personality that will shine when in their, when in their 30s and 40s and 50s. That's how the parents actually should look at it. Yeah, this is, uh, this is profound. Uh, I'm sure the parents will find it useful to take a long-term view like this. It sounds like dance is a parallel education in itself, somewhat like yoga, like meditation. They find uh, something to turn to it as they progress in life. Um, a good part... And at, the... Sorry, at this point of time, I would also like to add one more, uh, uh, you know, because today everybody says... Um, dance is creative okay dance is creativity and you know if you're a dancer then you have to be a creative person not necessarily how do you allow your child because today in this challenging world everybody has to be creative you are creating something you know and in uh, to be uh, 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 to mark your edge over the rest of the field, whether it's in IT, whether it's in AI, whether it is whatever, the, uh, uh, the, the, the improving technology in the medical field, in the pharmaceutical field, you have to be creative. Now, from where does this creativity come? Because the brain is not designed to be creative because creativity comes from a space of unknown, unfamiliar, and the brain is decided, is designed to avoid uncertainty and unfamiliarity because that's how it is designed. And 
to, 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 to do a disclaimer. I am not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a neuroscientist. I am just an artist. And the information that I'm um, uh, collecting for my PhD has given me a certain knowledge about the kind of papers that I am reading, kind of lectures that I am hearing. And therefore, I'm getting, uh, collating all the material from the journals and the articles and the lectures that I uh, am researching on and the books that I read. So the coming back to creativity, so the, the brain does not, uh, when you pose a question, the brain collects the information which is already there, your memories, your already uh, experiences, and it is putting together and giving you a solution. But... It doesn't have it, it doesn't work like that because if you see the greatest creative works, you actually question what is. What if this something happens? Why are we doing this? Why and what is the question that we are constantly have to ask? The greatest innovations in, in this century and the past centuries. Why can't we um, uh, talk to someone thousand miles and ten thousand miles away without having so much? Uh, uh, cost attached to it. So there came a WhatsApp, there came a cell phone. Yeah. So you have to question the assumptions and say, okay, what if? So the child, the student starts asking questions. Why should I sit in Aramandi and break my knee? Can I do something different so that I enjoy my dance without breaking my back and my knee? That's a very good question. But in the name of tradition, people are not uh, asking questions because they believe that if they do anything different, they won't fit. So the, the fear of going into an unknown space and the fear of going into a, a, a traditional space where things are will, will curtail your creativity. So as dancers, as students, you must probe the children to ask questions. You know, so that will enhance the creativity. That is another reason why I think students should learn. And the teacher should also take cognizance of this factor and not say um, uh, uh, stifle questioning from the student. Because the student is questioning because something is happening in her mind or his mind. And we have to encourage it and not shut it down by saying, no, this is how it is done. So don't ask me questions, just follow that will stifle the creativity. One of the most important and most beautiful things that Abhinava Gupta, who is the commentator on Nati Shastra, the Nati Shastra was, uh, the dates are very fuzzy, but they say anywhere between 300, uh, 400 uh, BC to 480. It's about, they span about 800 years, but that is not important. The first commentary was by Abhinava Gupta in 11th century. So that the gap, the 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 gap of the actual text and the first commentary itself spans about ten centuries or eight centuries. So what he says is, there is nothing that is. Uh, uh, they, so the Vedas are not created. It was not. It was not invented. It is there. Nati Shastra is not invented. It was there. So how we see, how we perceive, is very important. How we perceive is very important. So interpretation is very important. So when the students are questioning, they're questioning because they want to interpret it in a different way. So life and how you interpret it is one of the most uh, important things that a student will learn. And therefore, uh, creativity 
comes naturally to them because everything that they do and everything that they see, they question. Because our Sanatana Dharma, all the, uh, the Vedas, the Upanishads, everything, the Puranas, even the Natya Shastra. Actually, Dr. Padma Subramaniam in her uh, book, Pakarana Prakaranam, has said, all the whole Natya Shastra is answers to questions. That's it. Who so says the God says, okay, why are we doing this? And therefore, blah, 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 blah. And why should we do that? Who should do this? So whatever, who should be doing? So the characteristics of the dancer, the characteristics of the audience, everything is written. So the question and answer is a very important part of our Hindu teachings, uh, uh, whether it's a rishis or the texts. So we should never curtail the questioning capacity of a student. Though it may be very mundane and though it may be, uh, you may find it very silly, but the fact remains that the student can question, can figure out why are we doing what we are doing itself is a great uh, lesson uh, when you learn dance. And the students, uh, parents and the teachers should encourage this quality. I'm sorry if I have gone a little off topic here. No, no, no uh, this is... it leads, uh, leads me to another question on innovation. Uh, now, you say that, you know, uh, questioning should be encouraged and, uh, uh, you know, students should be uh, allowed to express whatever is there in their minds. So how much of innovation is possible in uh, in the performing arts? You know, there, there, is, there is this uh, constant struggle between uh, innovation and staying uh, true to the tradition. So the purist versus the innovator uh, so what is your uh, what is your take on this debate you know uh, what should one be a purist like for instance in music it's there is this genre no that um, people do this fusion music uh, i don't know what to exactly say you know at one at some points i feel that it's it's a way to attract today's youth which is um, exposed to so many mediums so many platforms so much of exposure that uh, sticking to the purely uh, you know uh, purest view of uh, music may not mm. bring them in so this uh, innovation in mixing matching but not tampering with the core uh, fundamentals of classical music might work to attract the youth because uh, I think we are seeing the youth not taking to these classical forms all that much, you know, today. So this I this agree. was uh, this 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 is a debate that you know I'd like to hear your views on. Um, how does it work, and what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so it's a very um, it's a very deep question, and I really am so happy you asked me this. See, the what is tradition? Now, who made the tradition? Now, if you say uh, Natya Shastra was forgotten, according to Dr. Padma Subramaniam in her research, uh, from the 12th century in North India and from the 14th century in the South. Okay, So mm -hmm. nobody was following Natya Shastra because nobody, it was forgotten or ignored or people were indifferent to it. Okay, So dance exis existed as, uh, uh, was propagated and practiced by the Rajadasis, who are the courtesans in the uh, quotes. And the Devadasis, who were uh, people in the temples, uh, mm -hmm. the dancers in the temples, so they were coming and they were doing their stuff. 
then came the moguls and the uh, the the british and because of the so much of uh, political and the uh, uh, economic uh, uh, influences in our country it took their various their uh, um, dance also to various shapes but we don't know what they danced did the rajadasis did alaripo jayaswaram varnam we don't have anything till 18 in the 1800s when the tanjore quartet who were working in the court of uh, uh, sarfoji maharaja in tanjore the maratha ruler mm -hmm. they codified the repertoire of okay in a performance you'll have 1 2 3 4 they codified a nine item repertoire that is the earliest um, uh, 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 we have uh, knowledge and a system that was in place okay then from there another 100 years later because of the anti devadasi system and the bill right so kalakshetra formed um, they said okay no um because the uh, dance was associated with the devadasis and nobody wanted the uh, they uh, them uh, to learn dance so uh, uh, rukmini devi and uh, you know uh, krishna i don't all of them they kind of it was a cultural renaissance they said no it's a very dignified art it's a very spiritual art and you know people should uh, encourage their children to learn uh, this art form and she uh, rukmini devi being a ballet dancer herself brought a lot of structure and uh, and a systematic approach to uh, uh, an art form which was only transmitted orally by the isai vallalar community that the hereditary natvanars right so then there came a syllabus for example i um, learned from my teacher kj sarasa who was a student of varu ramaya pillai so uh, these communities were working you know in the courts and all of them they were living in small small villages like pandanallur like vadavur these are all villages that they came from kuchpudi yeah so they started transforming orally what they had learnt from their parents from their mother they were all devadasis right i presume most of them were so now i how i was taught was there was no structure there was no system there was no syllabus nothing but whereas some of my contemporaries learned from kalakshetra they had a system they had a syllabus so now can i say my uh, uh, my traditional teacher uh, is not tradition she was also tradition kalakshetra is also tradition so here the beauty of arts it's subjective there is nothing that you say you do this and you don't do that abhinava gupta himself says as long as there is continuity and aesthetics you can create it it, it has to be man made it has to be the there has to be a kartaka and but that kartaka has to align himself to the continuity of the art form now what continuity are we talking about are we continuing if uh, if you uh, see uh, padukas uh, dr padma subramaniam's uh, karanas and charis and the and the movement they are very different they are like uh, bollywood uh, moves so it, that is not shastra that's the base so if i do that will people say oh she is polluting because in comparison uh, to kalakshetra and the and the other um, what would you say so called puritan forms it's very different 
so should i continue this uh, natya shastra continuity or should i do uh, some uh, the isaibalala continuity or should i do something else so today what has happened is there is no there is a global form because nobody is thinking what she should be doing everybody thanks to the um, uh, uh, social media and uh, the internet everybody is watching a celebrity uh, and thinks that that's what will fit in to this world that's how we should do it so there's no originality in any composition there is no originality in treatment so when we talk about fusion fusing western music and indian music uh, classical carnatic music or classical um, 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 uh, hindustani music at one level it could be um, uh, you know to attract the youth but at another level it is the artist's hunger and uh, the 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 attempt to go beyond the boundaries and keeping the integrity of it and, uh, and these are all uh, creative um, uh, what they perceives you know they want to do something beyond they want to see how you can fuse the both which i myself have done it very very uh, early in my career I mean, in the in the 90s i i did a uh, uh, um, a production with jazz music unheard of people castrated me in fact they said oh she is not a puritan but it was my innate desire to cross boundaries so coming to your question the youth have to be guided now they make films like fighter they makes films like rocky or rani ki prem kahani what do they want now are the producers and directors producing films because they think they will love it but they are not loving it because most of it they it it, it crashes in the box office so what do the students i uh, mean uh, audience want they want something that they can relate to they can or not even relate to they they want something that they can enjoy that they can um uh, you know feel good about there's a feel good intangible like why do people go and eat masala dosa now can you explain what you feel when you eat a masala dosa your experience will be different my experience will be different uh, you know everybody's experience is different so the experiences are subjective so we can never say this versus that this is this and that the tradition will people will be there who want to see only tate deita and uh, allarifu they will go to that performance people are tired they will go to this performance so the artist whatever she or he feels uh, there is an internal drive that internal uh, why do uh, big ceos um, stop working quit their job and make it least i read an article about you know why that i hear it least somebody who is a corporate honcho uh, quit everything and started making it least because there is an internal desire to do something different to something more satisfying to something more um, non traditional in their mind and yet if there is a continuity and this aesthetics not uh, uh, when i say aesthetics i mean it's a it's another huge topic in the rasa theory the aesthetics of it uh, you know the color the look so once you keep the continuity everything is 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 possible because 
the artist experience is subjective the audience experience is subjective and arts is never black and white it's never this or that this is subjective it's gray it's this and that yeah but you know uh, <laughs> if i may it, it's just spurring yeah. a question for me um you know this this then leads to a very uh, prickly subject you know art for art's sake or art as true to the tradition because um, what i have seen i'm i'm a little more familiar with the music scene uh, so uh, what i've seen is that when the, when artists do this uh, fusion sort of music where they are trying to blend west east or whatever it is that you know th that their artistic urge uh, um, you know propels them to uh, what happens is that uh, they end up taking their performance to say uh, a venue that's not very appropriate maybe they go to a club and perform or they go to a pub and perform uh, so they are they are singing they they're staying true to the to the musical composition basically you know suppose they're saying they're singing a tyagaraja kriti but they are mixing it with the western um, uh, or whatever it is that they are using and they are performing in a in a space which is a pub or a club now are we then uh, desacralizing something you know uh, the music is if it is tyagaraja it's mostly about shri rama so how appropriate is it to sing a shri rama kriti in a pub now this this question also comes to mind you know while i understand that the creative urge needs to be nurtured where do you draw that line or should it be drawn at all or is it okay so what what is your take on that i believe that we are looking at three levels here now first we'll have to decide whether carnatic music okay um are we looking carnatic music or dance uh, or in you know, the traditional performing arts when i say classical music or classical dance are we looking at it from a religious perspective is number one are we judging are we being judgmental from the morality point of view right and uh, we are also looking at it from if an artist like for example you can't be a part time doctor right you can't be a part time engineer uh, you have to put your heart and soul but the reality is you have to earn if you have to be a a a full time position there has to be some way of earning the money so uh, not many people are uh, uh, there to yeah, even uh, pay and listen to a very chaste tyagaraja uh, kirtanam uh, in a sabha there are, you know today what the sabha's uh, culture is you know you need to have a celebrity singer and uh, a, a celebrity stage otherwise you get five or six people now the artist if he has to do the sadhana and he has to constantly engage in the creative process he must bring something to the table he will also have family uh, children to look after so he might he or she might need to compromise there that's why i said keep continuity now tyagaraja let's say tyagaraja because you mentioned tyagaraja and shri rama dong about 7 8 century before and those are the his experiences now if 
all the traditional saint poets have to have their IPR in place. None of us will have any material today to dance or sing, right? There's no intellectual property, right? They sang in a trance because they were so much in love with their God, which they with their Rama, with their Krishna, with their philosophy, with their affiliation to the Vedas, they saw they sang and it was compiled and we use it in a kacheri or in a this thing. Now, what is appropriate, what is not appropriate? It's for the artist to decide, you know, and but we cannot, in my opinion, we cannot. Uh, sit on moral judgment and say no. This cannot be done. That they, this cannot be done in pubs as a as a as a fusion uh, uh, enter uh, endeavor. Then you pay me if I if I am uh, uh, going to do a this thing a fusion in 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 Bangalore golf club. They will pay me five lakhs. Any music group, I suppose, or a, I don't know however much they pay. But if I go and dance there, they'll say, Madam, I can't say, pay anything. Dance for free. Or maybe they'll give me 30,000. And there'll be no people to watch. So it is the artists. Um, uh, see, everybody, they want an audience, right? They want somebody to enjoy. They want somebody to find value and pay for them. I'm not, I'm not going to sit on moral judgment because the good news here is in the pub, in the um, uh, in the fusion um, uh, endeavor, people are listening to Tyagarajas Rama. See, that's the additional. That's the another way of looking at it. While you are drinking, you are listening. Oh my! Oh my God! This song is so beautiful, which you may not think if your mother takes you to Krishna Gana Sabha and say, "Okay, listen to this music." So that's another thing. See, Bharata himself says, and I am quoting you. You know, he leave. He 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 gives so much of importance to the audience. So now, who are our audiences? Are our, I mean, in when I was growing up, my mother's, uh, my weekend entertainment was to uh, go and um, listen to Balakrishna Shastri's and Anantrama Dekshita's Harikata. That was my entertainment. Okay. So we, I, I grew up in the 60s. Now, I don't know the kind of audiences are changing. So the, the artists have the um, uh, material needs. So it's a very complex, it's a very uh, intricate scenario we are treading here because, you know, we, the, 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 the main point here is there is no money in arts. So there are artists who doesn't care about money. Like for me, I don't, I'm not in the rat race. I'm not uh, uh, looking for awards. I'm not looking for any recognition from anybody. Mine is a totally an inward journey. But I'm not saying this is right and this is superior. There are other people who have who are doing what they're supposed to do to become a celebrity. Now, those people are known throughout the world because they are celebrities. I am not known because I'm uh, doing inward. Now, this is good or that is good. I don't know. Each artist will choose her own way. But I don't think we should judge them because they are singing Tyagaraja Kritina, because they have no other go. If they have to earn their money, that's the way. And they have to be uh, popular and then some other, um, uh, you know, um, uh, organization calls and pays them money. So be it. I don't think uh, we should uh, judge this uh, in a religiously moralistic way. This is my opinion. Sure, thank you. Yeah. Thank you.
these are all uh, absolutely you know fascinating conversations and we can have another entire podcast on this uh, conflict i think but yeah uh, yes yeah because uh, you know coming back we digress here so coming back to uh, you know this is a parenting podcast so we let's try to answer some more questions that parents have and one of the difficulties faced by parents especially abroad um often parents want their children to learn say bharatanatyam and uh, i am also taking off on what we just discussed which is um you know the the sense of connection it's really hard for a child growing up today to connect to um say singing about krishna uh, dancing about devi you know this sort of thing and especially if you are growing up abroad i see my own niece trying to learn but giving up because they find it very hard to relate to it and um, i know a lot of parents you know um, maybe 30% of our uh, listeners come from north america so these parents uh, would like your opinion on um how, how do we help these kids find that cultural connect is that even possible um your thoughts on this now defining indian culture what is indian culture see the parents who leave uh, india and go and settle wherever they are in whichever decade see indian culture is moving forward okay so there may be somebody who have moved in the 50s somebody who have moved in the 70s somebody has moved in the 90s somebody has moved in the 2000s now everybody who goes there go with this piece of culture that they have the cultural environment that they have and they take it to america or australia or wherever they go and settle and they want their children to relive this cultural environment 20 years or 30 years hence now that's not possible i mean look up i mean you're talking about the parents in the in, in the western countries but i am talking about parents in india now what is happening here in our own country we are not dance is not cool so people are why are so many bollywood um, um uh, uh classes opening and why do people prefer bollywood to classical so what is culture culture is a way of life right it is it, the definition of culture is the way you live so the way we lived in any decade is very different than the way we live today okay. so when we tell our children to learn bharatanatyam because you have to have a cultural connect that itself is wrong because you ask your child to learn dance bharatanatyam or kuchipudi or odissi not to connect with culture to connect with yourself it is your body it is your mind it's your emotion and your you you body and yourself as a medium you are experiencing through that medium whatever material that you get now why are we only talking about rama and krishna and devi and uh, narasimha because the material that we have the resources that we have are songs written by poets by saints whatever it is whoever it was 400 500 600 years ago but dandayatha pani pillai himself wrote all the varnam the tanger quoted everything is 100 years old so they 
they form a pat they follow a pattern the writers now who are the dancers are we original are we writing our own script no are we making our own own music no we are taking somebody's script we are taking somebody's music we are taking somebody's choreography and say i am dancing now this is the kind of like i keep telling my students if you just if you want to do masala dosa you want to know how to make the dough you have to make the palya you have to know how to make the chutney then you have to know how to put the dosa on the uh, on the uh, tawa and make a dosa you can't take id dosa batter you can't take palya packeted from uh, uh, udipi vibhav and then you cannot packet chutney and put everything together and say i know how to make dosa no so the parents should know that you are not allowing the children to collect culturally you are making your children understand music you are making your children understand your body you are in you are you are triggering the sensory sensibilities of your children how to hear how to see how to feel how to smell all of this comes in dance training all the five senses are in its acutest awareness you are making your children connect to your themselves not to culture because you know what culture differs time goes on uh, things differ but you don't differ no human beings we remain the same so whether you are in the 50s whether you are in the uh, 70s whether you are in the 90s you should give cognizance of what is around especially for children in america they are studying in a very different environment i'm not saying good or bad right or wrong it's very different you have to go on with uh, 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 gelling with that stream of uh, life that stream of attitude that stream of uh, upbringing and at home you cannot force to say you have to do this it's a, it's 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 so opposite in nature children are confused so they don't know whether to be this or whether to be that but dance gives you one thing to be confident of yourself and to 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 project that self confidence and say hey i am this you know i am this i my root is this my being is this i don't care what other people say. so that kind of confidence because you know your body you know your mind you know your emotion you know yourself you are unique so that is the connectedness that the parents should look for not this cultural connect i mean what does it even mean so if you if you if you uh, dance on drama do you know who rama is you're talking about four lines and then you're teaching them the teacher is teaching okay uh, left hand shikara right hand kapita and I, i mean that's it you 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 don't even know what it means you are the teachers teaching them stories are the parents stay, uh, 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 encouraging the uh, students to go and uh, listen to ramayana by uh, scholars nothing you are just going and singing that so if you dance uh, about rama and krishna that's no cultural connect that is uh, that is a that's a farce i believe that's a farce what you tend your dance students to dance learn dance or music is to enhance your creativity to enhance the way you think the way you look at feel to feel to start to to today nobody feels you don't feel romance that's why you have dating apps how can you fall in love with someone on a dating app because you don't feel you don't touch you don't hear you don't see right 
So these are all the things that dance will teach you and connect to yourself. And I believe that uh, teaching anybody to go and learn, I mean, uh, encouraging anybody to go and learn dance and music because you'll be connected to Indian culture, I, I think it's pointless. Because Indian culture is, uh, you know, we, we in India, we know every day the culture is different and dance looks different and music is different. Everything is different. Every day it's different. I have seen, I've seen a span of 55 years. I've seen perform performances by, by the maestros, the who's who of the field. Their dance. And today what I see, there's no comparison. There's no comparison. It's so different. And so... Things change here in India. Things change. All that we can do is encourage them to learn dance so that they can connect to themselves, not to the culture. This is a beautiful answer. It, it needs a mind shift on the part of parents and teachers. Uh, it's, a, it's a very unique viewpoint and a very useful one, I must say. Uh, yeah, you, there, is, there should be a paradigm shift. You know, you can't shift saying... I will change the movement or I will tell stories of Krishna. There has to be a paradigm shift and say, no, what are we teaching? What are we uh, telling our students to do? You know, there has to be a paradigm shift. Then everything will fall in its place and there will be no conflict. It will be a beautiful uh, blend. Yeah, the goal with which a teacher teaches that, and the goal with which a parent en enrolls their child in uh, dance class so because we often see that it gets reduced to some kind of exercise and there is no soul in it. So I think when you approach dance with what you just said as a way to connect to yourself, the goal shifts. And accordingly, I think all these things can start to develop in the child. Perhaps uh, this is absolutely, um, you know, very useful advice for uh, parents today. Yes. And uh, the parents should also not, because there are there are like hundreds of parents who have come to me in the last 48 years I've been teaching and saying, uh, I wanted to do this, I couldn't do this, so I want to let my daughter do it. I wanted to do Arangetram, I could not. My daughter has to do Arangetram. I couldn't do this. So you cannot live your dreams a doctor's daughter or son may not want to be a doctor. A lawyer's daughter or son may not have inclination to be that. So by forcing something, yes, you should allow them to connect to themselves. But to make it as a point of competition, comparison, showing off, you know, uh, she did an Arangetram and in this hall and I'm doing it in a better hall. Uh, with uh, better costumes, with better jewelry. I mean, these are all very mundane and frivolous uh, concepts. So as parents, we should know that we love our children the most and we want them to give them the best. By what else can you give them the best if they can be the best version of themselves? That is what dance is all about. At the, If you really zoom it out, that's all dance is all about. You're right. You know, it is even a simple thing when I'm when they are hearing the music and when they are performing. I'm I'm just talking about my students. There are many of them who are not even listening to music because 
the choreography is running in their head. So they are doing out of memory, which doesn't even sync with the music. So now that itself is a great thing to sync with the music, to listen to the music. Without music, how can you um, uh, trigger an emotion? If you see a film, a murder film, and the, the, the murderer is coming with a knife and the heroine sitting there, she doesn't know that he's coming at the back. Now you mute the that particular shot. The effect will not be that much if you put the music on because the background music accentuates and triggers the emotion. And therefore, as Rasikas, as audience, we close our eyes and we are finding our hearts palpitating. And that is Rasa. That is what Bharata is saying. So you are creating this, 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 that's what I said, the sensory sensibilities, you are allowing them to listen. You're allowing them to think. There are so many layers happening at the same time. Just imagine. So you are, there is a Trikala Jati in Varnam. You're talking about the combination of Tishram, Mishram, Jatushram, Kandam, and you, the, the child has to uh, understand and, and understand and memorize the sequence. You have to understand and memorize a sequence in such a way that even if you forget one step, she has to come back to that cycle. And with all of this, the Mridangist may go wrong, the teacher may wrong, go wrong, or you're distracted by your friend who's in the audience. So many things can happen. And yet, she is beautifully managing. She or he is beautifully managing the whole uh, thing. But according to neuroscience, the brain is not designed to multitask. It shifts action. So can you imagine the speed in which your mind is shifting between the tasks when you dance. So that ability, when you are a mother, you are having a, um, a, a fight with your husband, your children is screaming, you have a very, very important meeting in the in, in your this thing, which is a make or break the, in your career. And then you go in the car and then mm, something, your uh, you see that there is a flat tire. Now, how do you manage the situation? We do it on the stage because... Because this is the most beautiful part. You have to surrender to the fact that you are not in control of everything. You, know, you go on stage, you say, okay, I am just the medium. You take over. That sense of surrender, that sense of uh, vulnerability, saying that I am, I don't know. I may practice a particular jati hundred times and still in spite of me dancing for 55, time, 55 years and in spite of practicing it 100 times, there are still chances that I'll go and forget it on stage. So I have to be in total surrender of that energy which is governing us. So this is what the parents should teach their dance, uh, children dance. Because, you know, there's no control. How do we, like somebody said, no? life is that something which is happening while you're very busy planning it. You don't have control in life. People who think, oh, I can control my life. I can do this. I can do that. Well, there are people who say that. But in an Indian context, in a Hindu, uh, when I say Hindu, I'm not talking about the Hindutva, which is, I don't want to get into that controversy. I'm talking the Hindu philosophical thought of the way Upanishads. I am that. I am that. Tattva Masi. You are that. I am that. Aham Brahmasmi. How do you realize it? I can realize it through dance. Because in dance, I know that I am part of a greater energy and uh, I don't have control. And therefore, if I surrender, I can definitely succeed. And that's how every performance, every artist, you can ask any artist for that matter of any 
whether western eastern ballet anything every every artist because art is a religion whether you come from china or america or india it's a religion by itself the artistic processes are tenets of philosophy for the artists and everybody will agree with me and i don't know if anybody can disagree with me when you say that it transforms something it shifts something in your mind it shifts something in your being and you're taken over by something or some energy everybody whether you're a pianist whether you're a violinist or cello player anybody so dance itself is a religion so you form a community where you can feel yourself throbbing with that energy and as soon as you come out of a performance you're mentally so charged you're physically exhausted you would presume that after a long day of work is you just go and hit your head on the pillow and you go to sleep but in the dancer i don't know about musicians i can only talk from the perspective of dancers because i have felt it your mind is throbbing with some kind of a power and push and energy that it takes longer to sleep on an exhausted performing day than on a real day so anybody will say dance is a religion by itself and is it has its own rules and regulations and that will take the student apart from any other person around so that's why the parents should allow their children to dance or paint or sing whatever wow it's been a fantastic peek into the world of creativity artistic processes through the world of dance i don't think we can add anything further to this at this point we should have you back to continue this fascinating conversation with many more insights in the future thank you padmini ji thank you reka thank you shalini for giving me this wonderful opportunity to say my opinion and my piece thank you we think the honor and the pleasure is entirely ours thank you very much for coming and uh, i you. think that brings us to the end of this episode uh, to our listeners yeah. uh, thank you for joining us and uh, please follow us on uh, our primary platform that substack so uh, we you can find us at hinduparenting.substack.com we are also there on all uh, social media platforms we go by the handle hindu parenting on all the social media uh, platforms so wherever you're comfortable please follow us there Uh, we are on youtube our um, account is called the hindu parenting podcast so all our podcasts go up as youtube uh, videos uh, you can uh, you can uh, catch us there if that's your uh, preferred platform and uh, we are also uh, available on podcast platforms itself like uh, spotify or google or apple uh, so you can catch us there um, please do subscribe to us encourage us we will be having more guests uh, to speak about different uh, things in in the coming weeks so until the next time namaste